Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. And we welcome you once again with our smiling Irish American eyes to Static Rage, the Punk and Post Punk podcast. I am Benjamin Lindsay, and with me is Buzz Will. How are you doing up there tonight, Buzz? I'm just chilling out, going down the road of the righteous, man. <laughs> exactly. And we are here continuing our stroll through Celtic punk in honor of St. Patrick's Day. This week we are doing Dropkick Murphy's first album, Do or Die. So this album got released January 27th, 1998. It is 40 minutes and 7 seconds long, released on Hellcat Records. Personnel on this is going to be Mike McColgan on lead, on lead vocals, Ken Casey on bass guitar and backing vocals, Rick Barton on guitar and vocals, Matt Kelly on drums, Joe Delaney on bagpipes, and the Swingin' Utters, who uh, will put some things in the very last song. Indeed, indeed. And we have left the King's Cross region of London and crossed the Atlantic into Boston for this album. Boston or Little Ireland, whichever you prefer to call it. I guess that depends on where you are in the city. It, it really does. I, I joke about that, but really, there's it's such a cosmopolitan area. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so, first off, before we get started on this, I just want to say that this is the only album with Mike McColgan on lead vocals. Um, right after this, like literally right after this album was released, he went on to become a firefighter that was his lifelong goal as a young kid and i mean kudos for that for leaving music going to do something you love that's not going to make you nearly as famous but although uh, he didn't really stay at it very long no, um, no he, didn't. he didn't he went on to form the street dogs and then a couple of other bands but yes kudos to him since he wanted to to follow in his uncle's footsteps of being a firefighter in boston to do so And one of the, the things, a uh, quick aside before we get too far into this, Street Dogs is an amazing band. I have seen them live twice, both times with Flogging Molly. And if you ever get a chance, you should really check it out because it's kind of like Dropkick Murphy's Part 2, if, if that makes sense to you. I'm actually surprised that they've never toured together. So they haven't, but I my understanding is that uh, Ken Casey and it, I think the original guitarist for Dropkick played with him at one point. And they did. They didn't do a specific tour, but he had some people from the band help him out with some songs. So there's at least that. And it's my yeah. understanding that they all keep in good contact with each other. Very cool. Yeah, same. It was not an acrimonious split, at least. No, definitely not. It was. It was definitely one of those. I. I really want to go do this. I love you guys, but you know, duty calls so much. And uh, rest is, uh, they say, is history. That is, in fact, what they do say. So what were your initial thoughts of this album, my man? So last week when we talked about the Pogues, I had mentioned that that was not the first punk band I, or Irish punk band I heard. It was Dropkick Murphys. And I knew at the time when I heard them that they were not really from Ireland, um, and as I'm sure most people will. But the Celtic roots of this band uh, can't be ignored, and that's kind of what spoke to me as a young kid, trying to uh, kind of keep in touch with my own ethnicity, if you will. Um, 
And so hearing this album the first time, like the very first time, you got to remember I was in seventh grade. I mean, I, this is, I, I probably heard it about two months after it got released because I had a friend at the time that was really into hardcore punk and the Oi movement and the skinhead movement, which I'm going to talk about later because I know there's might be some clearing up about that term. Um, but he really got me turned on to this band. And the more I listened to it, I was like, yeah, I, I, I love this album. And to this day, uh, full, full, just full confidentiality with everybody. Um, I'm biased because this is in my top five punk albums. So I, this holds a very special place in my heart. Okay, then. Ranking very high on the buzz scale. Um, I did not hear this at the time. This was after I had graduated from high school, and I was not ever really that into the oi side of the punk movement. Um, so this one slipped by my radar. I didn't hear, although it couldn't have been out, couldn't have been very much longer before I did start hearing them. I probably started hearing of Dropkick Murphy on the next album, The Gang's All Here, the following year, because I met some people in college who really liked the band in the hmm, probably 2000s-ish. Um, so this was my first listen to this era of the band. And honestly, some of my comments are very similar to what I said about the Pogues and that this sounds like a very good, fun, rollicking band. This is much more punk than what the Pogues were. That what little bit of traditional Irish music is in here is subservient to the punk. It's kind of an additional flavor as opposed to with the Pogues. It was that much more even split. And it is a band with some well-written lyrically songs that are not performed all that great. Again, not that big a deal in punk music. Um, I would say that if you were talking about, you know, 99.9%, probably not that high, 95% of punk music doesn't have very good sung vocals. And this definitely falls into that category for me. Uh, but Mike has a voice that I like, even though it is incredibly unrefined. It sounds very honest. I'm glad you brought up the honesty thing, because I was getting ready to jump in with another person who I think is incredibly honest and I love to death. Um, he used to sing for one of your favorite bands, which we will get to eventually. Um, but I drew a lot of parallels when I was younger, listening to both Mike and Henry Rollins. So... Maybe not the exact same parallels, but very a lot of similarities with how both of these guys talk to people, how they present themselves. Um, they're very frank if you actually get a chance to speak to them one-on-one, -on -one, which I appreciate. Um, and having seen Mike live and Ken, Ken live, because Ken is the current uh, lead vocalist for the band now, um, uh, going back to what we talked about, about how this doesn't have nearly as much um, traditional Irish music on it. In fact, I think the only thing really traditional is Finnegan's Wake, where they covered later albums. They do start covering more, and they get more of that almost stereotype feel of, oh, this is very much an Irish band versus just a good punk band that happens to have Irish roots, which is why I'm so drawn to this first album more so than the others. And that's not saying the other other albums are bad in the least i just felt like this was more more tuned to what i was into at the time and still if i had to say like 
this is this is a perfect example of a punk well, not a perfect example, but a very good example of a punk band. This is why it's in my top five albums. That's fair. I think uh, Cadence to Arms, the, the reworking of Scotland the Brave at the beginning is somewhat traditional too, and I think that it works as a very, very good album opener. Um, it gets you pumped up in, in, in the mood to, to listen to some good punk music. Um, I think that this sound of the band, even by the next album, is kind of lost. And I think what you're talking about, that evolution, when they kind of bring in more of the traditional elements. One of the things that has always bothered me a little bit about Dropkick Murphy, and I'm expecting to get some pushback on this, but that's all right. I don't care. Is that they have always leaned way harder into the Irish identity than I necessarily feel they have the rights to being an American band. So much so that I, a lot of the people that I've encountered who are super into the band think they are from Ireland are not, are, and are not Irish American. And that has always bothered me. This album doesn't have that sense. So, uh, the thing I was going to bring up too, and I'm, again, I'm glad you went ahead and brought it up, is there's a term for that. And it's called a plastic patty. And you hear that a lot with people that are from Ireland that get annoyed with the fact there's so many Americans that claim to be Irish. Growing up with this background and this, this, uh, this cultural identity, we knew we were American. It was like, like dad was like, pretty much like, no, dude, look, we're, you're American. You're not from fucking Ireland, you're not from Scotland. It's happy to be, it's good that you like appreciate that culture because that is where you came from, but you are an American. So don't ever pretend to be something that you're not. And that's why I like the honesty of this album because they ref, there's a few references to it yeah. from, from that Irish American feel, especially from like the fifties and even the sixties. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you being a historian, the, the deal with JFK, I mean, the first quote unquote Irish American president, you know, um, yeah, there was totally. a lot of that going on. And I think it's important. Um, and now we're going off tangent here for a minute. And not just Irish, Irish Catholic. Right. Very, right. That's very important when we're talking about the Irish. Right. Um, and I didn't, I don't want to deviate too much from this album, but I did feel like we need to kind of maybe touch on this a bit. Um, it's very good to be proud of your heritage it's kind of a dick move to like try to appropriate a different culture than yours because you didn't grow up in it. So I've always looked at this first album, especially as look, this is where they came from. I mean, they're one of the songs on here is about people come, people immigrating and having to go through a guy that helped them out uh, through. Um, in fact, it's, it's a song number 15 boys in the docks talking. It's essentially about trying to get people sober enough to work, which was kind of a big deal when you look into the uh, the mass immigration um, during the late 18, early 1900s. Um, but it's that, hey, this is where you came from, but you're not that. And I feel like that honesty is something that the band kind of loses later on. Yeah, and, and I don't know the biographies of any of these guys. I didn't look into it that hard. They could very well be first or second generation Irish. Americans. I mean, it, it is very, I without a doubt believe that they have that connection to Ireland in their history, at least some of the band members. So seeing about you, the stuff that your grandparents, your parents, or your great-great-grandparents go through, there's nothing at all wrong with that, to your point that you were saying. 
And I, I'm not familiar enough with the drop kicks to say that it was them doing it or their fans. It was just always the sense I got around them that kind of put me off. I always felt like it was more of the fans rather than the band itself. And to me, it's one of those, this is what the fans want. This is what we're going to give it to them as. And then, because even now, if you go to like a, to a dropkick show, they don't claim to be Irish, man. They just claim to be from Boston. They claim to be a Boston band that they just happen to be Irish American. Well, because of the fans listening to that, especially some of the younger people, um, it's almost like they want that association with something that's not American, if that makes sense to some people. And so they want that, they want that, um, identity rather than just saying hey man be proud of like where your ancestors came from but this isn't you now this you're something different i do have to say that it i am greatly disappointed that i did not have the money to when i was in boston last year presenting at a conference on irish studies around st patrick's day of course dropkick plays a show in boston on st patrick's day and i just couldn't afford to go to it a sadness a sadness well, I tell you what, if you can get down here on the 6th of May, I'm going to the uh, to the uh, Boston to Berkeley tour. Them and Rancid are going to be playing. Um, that might be able to happen. I don't know. I'll have to check into things. Awesome, awesome. Well, before one more thing before we go into this album. Um, I wanted to kind of get out. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be just a few days before St. Patrick's Day. And I'm glad we're talking about an American band rather than a specific Irish band, um, because while, yes, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated in Ireland, it is much more celebrated here um, to the point of it's almost kind of ridiculous. Um, and I'm going to go off a little bit further. I don't want to get, again, too far deviating from this, but as both someone who has a lot of Irish background and who is Catholic um saint patrick's day is more than just about getting drunk and acting like a dumbass and speaking with a fake accent so it always kind of pissed me off growing up but i did know that why it's celebrated here so much is because of the mass immigration because people that were first generation off the boat that had kids are now you know americans when other people from their land comes over they want to know hey what's what's going on back there i hadn't been back there in like two three years um and it's just that's why I feel like it's kind of weird this it worked out that we did this album around this around this specific holiday because of the origins of it, at least in this country. Yeah, and that is if you are into Irish studies, that was some of the stuff that we talked about at the conference last year was the appropriation of St. Patrick's Day and turning it into just a mass caricature uh leprechauns and people wearing green face paint and and drinking a lot of beer um and what that does to actual irish identity again not to get into that that's not what this podcast is about but that is something that i'm glad that buzz mentioned because it is a real issue for people who um are not only the actual irish in ireland but immigrants and their families here in the states and i mean i was i was always kind of brought up that yes you wear green but there's a reason you wear it and people now are oh you have to wear green because st patrick's say no you wear green because you're catholic and the fucking protestants are oppressing you that's the point and not to not to get off on that on that argument <laughs> but that's that is why you wear green and i'm like so if, 
really, if you're not Catholic and Irish, you probably shouldn't be wearing green at all. That's neither here nor there. I'm not going to tell someone what to do or not to do. Was it maybe. Garth Enos, maybe? Um, there was somebody. Okay, Curtis? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's Marlon. Yeah, well, he said something about St. Patrick's Day and all the people running around wearing green. And he, he, it was something to the effect of there's a lot of fucking Protestants running around wearing green. If you were actually over in Ireland, you would get your head kicked in. Um, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what the quote was. It's, it's It was something along. I, I remember reading that at some point, too. Um, when I was in college, I was had I was really good friends with a guy that his great because his great-uncle or great-grandfather was a member of the provost. And I got to listen to some of these stories, and he would talk about that, that it's funny, because on the one hand, people during that time, during the time of the, the Troubles, that were, that were part of that organization appreciated the support from America, but at the same time, they were like, man, these, these people are pretending to be something that they're not. So it would also kind of piss them off a little bit. So... He always liked how refreshing it was when I could just be like, hey, dude, look, I, this is where I'm from. I can show you my family tree, where we came from. You know, I can show you where my dad's a little more Scott. My mom is definitely more Irish. Here's let me let me show you how far back we can go. But I don't claim I don't claim to be that and that there's a lot of people that don't claim to be that. But our voices get over overpowered by people that go out and get drunk and, you know, put on the fake fucking Irish accent and think that wearing green is all chic and let's go drink green beer and and do stupid shit i mean to me it was always seeing stuff like that is the equivalent of what some of some people might um i i'm loath to do this so if if it's if you think it's a bad idea please edit it out later but i view doing a lot of that as someone wearing blackface Mm, i don't know that it's quite as severe just because of the legacy of slavery in the in this country but i can see your point and that's really what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to say that it's it's worse, but it's that that's the closest thing I can think to maybe put out to people that don't understand why it, it annoys people so much. It's not yeah. the it's not that this is just as bad. It's saying this is kind of fucked up right. too. Why right. are you doing this? No, yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it's definitely cultural appropriation. Whether that and that's not just you know wearing a bunch of friends in turquoise and talking about how you're a Cherokee princess. It's a lot of other things as well. Right. Definitely. But with that said, um, I think we waxed on that quite enough. So if anyone has been offended by that, um, sorry, but if you know me, you know why I said things the way I do. How, uh, how did you feel about this album, man? Getting into it. Um, hmm. How did I feel about this album? Again, I thought it was a fun, rollicking album. Um, sounded very honest. Much more in the hardcore punk vein with just a little bit of Irish flourishes than a Celtic punk album proper. Or at least what it would become as their career advanced. That's fair. Um, I, I see it a little, a little bit of, of that heritage seeping in, certainly, but more than anything else, I, I see this more as almost a working man's punk, if you will. Um, a lot of the songs have to do with like an average, an average Joe, again, if you will, if you'll excuse the the uh, turn of phrase. Um, but a lot of this, is, the, the songs are written basically about normal people dealing with like random bullshit in life, and that's kind of 
why I liked it. It kind of spoke to me. And earlier I said this, you get a lot of the skinhead culture from this. Um, and I kind of wanted to touch on that too. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, skinheads are not fucking Nazis. So I want not all skinheads, not all skinheads, not all skinheads. And this is a, at least this, this album is close to what I see as a true skinhead to where you have the working class that has to keep their head shaved for the most part to keep their hair from getting caught in, in cogs and wheels and shit that does go out and earn a living every day that comes home that, you know, they don't have a lot of money. So they all go to the bar, uh, try to relax a little bit before going home to their families. That is to me the ideal, like when growing up when I heard skinhead, that's where I was always raised as around my friends, um, looking into what a skinhead is. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of people when they hear me say that they first freak out and go, oh, well, so it's a racist band. No, 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 no. When when you have a movement that kind of started in 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 this has Scott origins from Jamaica, it's it's not a racist movement, man. Well, I mean, there are plenty of neo-Nazi skinhead bands out there. Um, we won't be doing any of them. Right, right. I've, I've had the unfortunate unfortunate uh, incident of listening to one before I knew what they were talking about, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to stop listening to this band now. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, and that's also like the Sharps, which are skinheads against racial prejudice. Um, it, it has a origin in... Jamaica and the British Isles and everything and kind of comes over here and then it kind of gets co-opted and much like we were talking about St. Patrick's Day, the, the shaved head and the boots and the, the jackets and everything kind of gets co-opted, the braces by racists and then they develop their own coding for this stuff and you know like oh you wear this color laces in your boots if you've done this thing and both sides of that habit, one fairly innocuous because you're right, it is just people who keep their hair short. I keep my hair short. I mean, I have a, I don't, sometimes I shave it all the way. Right now I have what, you know, we would colloquially call a GI, which just means a buzz cut. Um, that look, unfortunately, especially in, a, in the mid 80s here in the United States, really became associated with neo-Nazi groups like or the White Aryan Resistance and stuff like that. And that to me is the unfortunate feel about all this is you can't it's 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 sad because it's almost like you can't have a normal conversation sometimes with people about the origins of it without someone jumping the gun and automatically assuming you're 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 processed I can't talk today. You're giving out a a racist vibe instead of just saying, No, this is where this is from. And the reason I bring this up is the very last song is called Skinhead on the MT, MBTA and it's not yeah. about the it's not about a racist skinhead is about the skinheads we were just speaking of. So by today, they'd be closer to the Sharps. Right, exactly. So not to say that they're not violent, because it does talk about that skinhead punching the conductor of the train in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. It's, there, <laughs> there's there's violence. It's just not It's not purely for me. A, I don't like you because you're skin colored. I don't like you because you're authoritative. Yeah. That's actually one of the things that kind of sticks out about this album in a way and kind of differentiates at least from the Pogues album is that there is a lot more songs here that are talking about violence and not necessarily like sectarian violence or the Provo violence, but just ballroom brawl kind of stuff. Typical, uh, that's probably a bad word for it, but quote unquote typical blue collar violence 
dudes out at the bar having a few too many and, and busting each other in the face. Right. And and speaking of that, um, song number nine, Fight Star- Fight Starter Karaoke is about that very thing. And specifically it's about a guy that gets too drunk and wants to pick fights with people and he's such an asshole, he ends up burning all of his bridges. So when someone finally knocks him the fuck out, no one feels bad for him because he was being a dick this entire time. Like that there, I just gave you the point of that song. <laughs> Ta da So Lord, yeah. Well even the the next one, Barroom Hero. You know? It's about a guy that loses all the time. <laughs> but but he keeps coming back because he has heart, even though he keeps getting his head stomped in. Yeah. So there really is uh, more of an association with what is a certain segment of Irish immigrate, blue-collar uh, diaspora in Boston, at least how they thought of themselves in this album. Definitely. And, and that's, I feel like that's why it always spoke to me is when I did start like really listening to the lyrics when I was younger and going, okay, this is, this is the quote unquote every man, because at the time, most punk I was hearing, you had to be of a specific ideology or you had to be from like a specific background. And much like I said on the bad brains episode, this album didn't make me feel like if I wasn't one of them, I couldn't understand it. It was just like with the Bad Brains, when I listen to this first Dropkick albums, it's just like, oh, yeah, I can, this is for everybody. This could be you. This could be, you know, John Smith over there. It could be this guy over here. And to me, that's when a band can do that, even with just super simple lyrics like Dropkick does. I mean, that's why it spoke to me. I have a slightly different take on that. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but to me, it, it kind of has that, um, class consciousness that other punk bands have specifically punk bands from the uk or other parts of the globe but divorces it from the political ideology so there's not a political consciousness it's just a class consciousness we are downtrodden we have we're tenement enemy number one we are these things we have the solidarity because we all work hard and we have this identity but there's not then a a raising of that to a for good or ill, a greater political consciousness. And the apolitical stuff is always what I tended to appreciate more. And that's, again, another reason why I think I was so drawn to this album. There wasn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like it took a specific political side of things. And I mean, there's, I know people from a lot of different ideologies that are working class. I mean, we could, we could go on a whole episode about that, I'm sure. But, um, it's it's amazing if you go to any blue collar job, you will get people of different like ideas that are voting for different people, but they all have the same situation that they're all in. And for the most part, I'm not gonna say there's not at all, but for the most part, there's not a lot of like hatred or anger towards each other. You might have your your issues, but at the end of the day, look, we're all in this together, and we got to do this and get on. And that's just the way it is. And I think you can kind of see that in the album cover for this, which is just a bunch of it's I think it's the main guy from the band and then a bunch of dudes that he works with because he's surrounded by guys in hard hats. So, yeah, it's and it's that and from this album onward, like they've always had that identity of like the the everyman is kind of like who they're championing and other bands do it, too. Don't get me wrong, but 
this is the one I feel like is the most explicit. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, and, definitely. <clears throat> and um, there's just there's just a lot of songs on here that I mean that really do speak to me. Um, I mean, do you before we jump into this, do you do you want to say anything else before we start talking about the specific songs? No, man, go ahead. So the first, so Do or Die is really good, and As Is Get Up because it's I've and it, keep in mind I've seen all of these songs except for two of them perform live and they always fucking bring the energy when they do it. So before I get into the lyrics about this, if you ever get to see this band live and you've never heard Mike McCulgan on the vocals, if you ever see him with street dogs, there's at least three songs he always does from his dropkick days. And it's so energetic when you see it and you can't help but like want to like happily mosh along, even like if you're, whether you're young or old or whatever. Um, the first song though, that really kind of spoke to me and it's funny cause it's number four is never alone and it's exactly about that cohesiveness that comes from people that are i don't want to say downtrodden but i'm going to use that word because i I don't know if any other word i can really think to describe this um but when they get down to the second verse i'm going to go back to the skinhead part for a second and i'm going to read the lyrics i could sing it but i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to speak it instead because i don't want to ruin everyone's ears and it starts off, young skinhead, they call you a hooligan just because you don't make any sense to them. You're a hardworking man who's paid his dues, but they still call you racist on the evening news. And the blood that runs right down your wrist don't come from a knife, but the cuts in your fist. Your torn up knuckles and faded blue jeans are the colors you wear in the life that you've seen. You tell the truth, look people in the eye, and don't live your life with no baggy disguise. And then it goes into the, the course of Never Alone. And that, because when I was younger, I didn't get what that meant until i understood where again where the the skinhead movement came from and then all of a sudden it makes sense like oh yeah this is this this would make sense during this time period everyone that sees someone dressed like that is going to assume that there's some horrible evil racist when they're just some dude that is trying to get by and he just dresses a certain way so everyone assumes he's this horrible evil person and it's like a mistaken identity that i you see happen a lot you can i mean i'm sure you can think of any news story throughout the past 10, 15 years um, where you could find situations like this, where you have this mistaken identity and it can, it could speak to anyone. You could replace those lyrics with something else and, Oh, you're this kind of person. Cause you have these kind of clothes on. Well, is he, do you know him? What the fuck dude? Um, but that's always kind of why it spoke to me. And of course the song goes on further about, you know, not needing any weapons or anything. And just like I have, I have friends that watch my back and we're all good, you know, working class kids. Um, and that's kind of why I really enjoyed that song for the most part. Um, but then going down further, uh, Barroom Hero is always fun. I mean, it's just a fun little song. Um, uh, Far Away Coast is cool because if you listen to the lyrics of that, um, just a little backstory, Mike McCulgan was in the Army, and he was in the Army during Desert Storm or Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And Far Away Coast is about him essentially being over there experiencing all this shit and wishing he was back home so a lot of people hear it and they think it's about immigrants and it's not it's about his experience in the military yeah and i think that's an under identified part of it too it's just uh that dude is so solidly blue collar served in the army quit the band to become a fireman and all this stuff that it's again and you i i don't know that you see this that much in punk probably a little bit um, but you see a lot of it 
in country music of people pretending to be this blue collar, pretending to be the guy that Mike actually is when they're not. And out there writing that image to record sales and radio play. So I have tremendous respect for what he actually accomplished, both musically and personally, um, without being true to himself but not selling the image to get rich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he didn't he didn't ride the coattails of, of where he was from. It's more of a look, this is where I'm from, this is my experience, and I'm not gonna like give you all these details, but this is kind of sort of what happened. This is kind of what my life was like. Here's a taste. Let's move on to the next song. Just kind of you get just so you can know Mike a little bit better. Not so that you can be like, yeah, look at me, I'm badass and did all this cool shit. Um, which I see a lot of artists do. Um in the punk community it's it's bad too but it's not as bad as say like in the pop community where it's just like image is more important than the lyrics and the music yeah yeah without a doubt so another one on here that i really enjoyed was road of the righteous and this is the one i heard the first time he broke he the first time i heard him play with street dogs because i didn't know that he was going to do any of his old stuff and it should be noted that i do like street dogs as well they are they're not going to be my favorite band, but they're very, a very good band that I would love to see again. Um, but he performed Road to the Righteous. Like, just decide, you know what? We're going to do an old Dropkick song from when I used to uh, frontman for that band. And, like, they went into Road to the Righteous. And I just remember, like, everyone in the pit just, like, freaked out. And no one moshed, dude. That's, like, the one song no one moshed here. Everyone was just, like, <laughs> all together about it. And the reason it's important to me is if you've ever dealt with someone who has, uh, has dealt with being an alcoholic that's kind of what the song is about it's about like having to deal with the fact that you can't run away from your problems anymore and you you have a family you have to take care of them so ergo you must take care of yourself and you just got to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps so to speak and go down this and they have it in quotes in the in the lyrics this this road of the righteous um about basically just hey you've got to deal with this man and no one's going to think any ill of you for Hey, you're not. You can't go drink with us anymore, dude. No one thinks bad of you. You have to go do this for yourself and your family. Um, so that entire song spoke a lot to me, especially when I got older, and was able to like go out with people and like go to parties and things. I was like, yeah, you know what? I I can, I can see that. I can see how someone could fall into this trap of being stuck somewhere where they don't necessarily want to be, and it, take alcohol out, alcoholism out of it, and put some other negative emotion or negative um, thing that you're that you're addicted to and, and just go, Hey, you got all this other shit you have to take care of. Stop focusing on this and focus on this other thing. You know, no one's, we'll still be here when you get back, man. It's cool. And that's really what that song felt like to me. So to me, that's one of the higher high points of this album is that song specifically. Um, and while the rest of them at that point are really good, I really liked Finnegan's wake, uh, cover because that was, the, that was the first time I'd ever heard, a punk band cover an Irish tune. So it was just, it's kind of amusing hearing that. And I almost wonder if they did it either as a joke or just say, Hey, yes, we actually have this background and we all know this song. Um, but the, the, the two that the album closes out with boys on the docks and skinhead on the MBTA, um, man, boys on the docks is, uh, is, I can't remember the guy's name. His name, his name was John. 
but he opened up a not so much a school but a, a a place to get people off alcoholism and it was for those those new immigrants coming in to try to get them sober and get them working and at the towards the end of the song again it's about we're being together we can't be divided and we cannot be alone and in fact the i think the last part of the the, the lyric is we came to this country made it our home um but at the very end, he, there's a specific thing that says, hey, man, I tell you, they don't like our kind, though it starts with your fist and must end with your mind. So it's starting with this, like, almost violent take on things and saying, hey, look, it's time to not be violent anymore. You've got to fucking end up being more progressive in your thinking. You have to start thinking outside the box. You can't just let your emotions get the better of you. You don't hear that a lot in punk music. And so to me, right. that's that's that spoke to me a lot. And then Skinhead on the MTBA is just a fun fucking song because it, it's about the dude that just like takes over the the the, uh, the Boston transportation underground uh, rail system and rides forever in the darkness. So I mean, it's just it's a, it's a fun little song to end on. But that was always my take. Those are the highlights to me. I think you summed them up all very well. I don't really have much to add to that. And and that's just it. There's if. If we had to break this down, I mean, some of the songs aren't as strong as some of the others, but none of them are bad. And it, this is one of these albums that I talked uh, earlier about certain bands where I wish the pacing was different. The pacing on this one seemed like almost perfect to me. And I think that might be another reason why I enjoyed it so much. Well, I will have to agree with you on that. And I'm glad you brought that up because there are 14 tracks on this album and it still only clocks in at about 40 something minutes. So they do not let any dust settle on them on this album. And I appreciate the shit out of that. If you'll remember a few weeks back when we were talking about the Meteors, and even though that one wasn't a super long album either, it just had so many tracks that it kind of, I felt like it dragged. This album doesn't drag. Yeah, this is, um, I still, when I drive around sometimes, if I get bored, like if I'm going like long trips between here and Nashville, this is one, this is one of the albums I'll put on and just listen to. Because I, it, it keeps me company for that entire time, and I don't I don't ever get tired of listening to anything on here. Yeah. Um, I did some digging, and I couldn't find the exact Garth Enos quote that I found, but I found one from Warren Ellis, who's another comic book writer whom I, I love. And this is what he had to say about St. Patrick's Day. The next person to wish me a happy St. Pat's Day will have their ISP anonymously informed that they downloaded pictures of dogs fucking babies. I've slept with Irish girls and gotten drunk on Belfast, which makes me more Irish than 99% of you. And whoops, here's the clue train pulling up to the station. It says I'm not Irish and neither are 99% of you, so you can stick St. Pat's Day up your ass. If you want to celebrate St. Pat's Day, eat a raw potato, build a house out of peat, and get yourself shot by an Englishman. And guess what? If you were born in America, you're not Irish. You're a fucking American. Deal with it. Though I still advise American tourists in Europe to tell people they're Canadian at all times. That was your daily truth. Please return to your duties. Thank you. I enjoy that quote so much. Yes, I do too. Uh, it's a bit harsh, but sometimes you got to be a bit harsh. Well, being harsh doesn't necessarily mean you're being hateful. It's just some people can't get it, and you've got to be like just super kind of in their face about, look, this is the way it is. You need to chill, dude. And some people need more than just saying that. And hopefully people will get it and become better for it, or they yeah. might not. There's yeah. You don't know until it happens. Right. So anyway, back to this album. Um, I guess it's time to grade the thing. 
Do you really want me to go first, or do you want to go first? No, you can go first. That well, in case, in case it wasn't apparent, I'm giving this fucking album A plus both on my on my musical scale and my fucking punk scale. And you might wonder why I'm giving an A plus on the musical side of things. And the reason for that is because I have seen this band live. Every fucking person in this band is on goddamn point as far as the music goes. I've never once heard them miss anything. I've never once heard them go off key. They do everything on point, and it's this is what when you hear a band live. When it sounds like they practiced, that is what they do. They, it's, it's. I, I can't really say any more than that unless you get a chance to see them live. Um, I will back that up just a little bit because we. I don't know if I've used this term on here, but the term "road warriors." These guys are burning up the road all the fucking time. They are constantly on tour. Um, so I mean, I think that they've they've done dates. Fuck. They have been somewhere around here, the region that I'm in, the upper Midwest, for at least a few dates every year that I've been up here for the last five years. So even if they're doing a a select number of dates, like 20, 25 a year, that's still a lot because you have to figure in the practice time, then the actual time on the stage and everything else. And I think that they're actually doing legitimate tours, not just 25 select shows throughout the year. You're, you can't help but get great as a musician if you're doing that. I mean, you would have to intentionally try and be bad if you are playing that much and practicing that much. And it's almost impossible to be that bad if you're doing that. Um, with all that said, I really feel that this album is akin to the Pogues, and I'm giving it a B. It's the American Cousin to that album. So if it's the American Cousin, does that mean that someone's going to get shot? Well, I mean, it does happen sometimes. It's hard to say. I, I wonder if anyone else will get our, our, my history jokes. I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. Oh, but yes, um, there's there's nothing else I can really say about this album. I mean, it, it really, again, like with the Pogues, you're either, either going to like this or you're not. I mean, I can't you're not going to know until you listen to it. It's either going to speak to you or you're just going to think, eh, it's okay. Um, very few people I've had listen to it just don't don't like it. But on average, it's either, holy crap, I really love this band, or eh, they're okay. And that's usually the, the way it goes for me. Yeah. Now that, I think that that is an apt statement. I don't know very many people, uh, except for perhaps myself, who are lukewarm Dropkick Murphy fans. You either are super into this band or you're just not. And that's where I am. Um, again, I do like their newer stuff, but I don't like it as much as this album. And for all the reasons that I've already stated, uh, if you've never heard them before, give them, give them a listen. A lot of the stuff on this album gets played even on their tours now because it's so popular. Um, if you don't like it, I okay, cool, you don't like it. If you do like it, hey, there's maybe it speaks to you for some other reason than what we've talked about. Exactly. All right, man. So what are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing a non-plastic patty band. We're going to do a band that a lot of people don't seem to know about. And I don't know if you knew about them before I spoke to you about them. I did not. Okay. So they are from Ireland. They are a legit Irish punk band. Um, Their name is Blood or Whiskey. And we'll see how Ben feels about that in that episode. 
but I will reserve saying anything until we get to that episode. So that's what we're going to be doing. It's going to be Blood or Whiskey, No Time to Explain. will be the name of that one. All right. Uh, hopefully you'll come back and listen to us then. And if you have uh, want to give me some pushback about the whole Dropkick Murphy thing, go for it. I don't. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm not that hard to find. I won't give you pushback, Ben, but I will say if you ever hang out with me, we're going to listen to this whole album, and I'm going to make you listen to it in the car. <laughs> okay. That's fine. But with all that said, um, I mean this from the from most sincere non-plastic petty way I can say. Hope everyone has does have a good St. Patrick's Day. Even with all the negative things I spoke about, it still is it, essentially about having fun. I mean, don't 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 think it's you can't have fun with it at all. Just be smart about it. Yeah, just try and keep in mind that it is an actual religious day, not just an excuse for you to go out and get shit faced on green beer and watch them die a river green like they do in Chicago. Um, but I will say this about all such big days, you know, have fun. But remember, there's a lot of fucking amateurs out there and a lot of people who are looking to take advantage of you if you are drunk, whether it be pickpockets or something more malicious. So just try and keep your wits about you. Part of your own safety is your own cognizance. So. Yep. Just uh, be, keep your wits about you. If, uh, maybe you might even find a raw, kind of youngish Irish, Scottish lad to help you that isn't actually from there, but has origins that might even look like a stereotypical part of that. Who knows? He may keep you safe throughout this entire tem- tumultuous time. Maybe so. Maybe so. But anyway, thank you for listening, and join us again next week. Adios. Kid Mephilchia and Slonja.